Hi, and welcome to episode 99 of the Studio Insider Art Podcast. In today's episode, Steph and I dive deep into the sometimes elusive question of what our art is truly about and what motivates its creation. Anyone who has ever written an artist's statement knows how tricky this question can be to answer, particularly when it comes to articulating it for the gatekeepers of the fine art world. But this conversation goes so much deeper than that. We explore how excavating this information can help in binding together all the different avenues and mediums of our art practice. We also explore how relating to this deep level of our why as artists can provide fuel and nourishment for the journey of becoming more masterful practitioners and free us from the never-ending grind of focusing on product and profit. I really hope you enjoy this deep and rich episode. I'm Suze Nethercote and this is the Studio Insider Art Podcast, where I open up about what it's really like to be a professional artist. Whether I'm having chats with my studio bestie, Steph, interviewing inspiring creatives or answering listener questions, there's something here for every established and emerging artist. My mission is that my journey will help you feel a bit more at home in your own. Hi, Steph. Hi, Sue. How are you doing today? I'm well, I'm well. How are you? Yeah, really good, thanks. That's good. Hey, I want to dive straight in this morning because we were having, you know, we often get together first thing and have our cup of tea in the kitchen before we jump on to record a podcast and mm-hmm. did my famous stop, we have to record this. I feel like that happens every time. It's we like, should have learned our lesson. It's our creative process, right? Yeah. It occurs in conversation. So I'm just going to slot straight back in there because it was a fascinating um, bit that we were landing on, which was you you were talking about how you've been going through kind of a bit of a transition and a shake-up in your art practice mm-hmm. between the whole painting and ceramics thing. Mm-hmm. And you've had a bit of an interesting time of that over the summer but you were talking about how it has really served you in sort of figuring out the deeper level of your your purpose as an artist, I guess. Yeah, yeah right? that's a really good way to express that. Yeah. And how you feel like you are, have a better intellectual understanding of your practice and you understand your context so much better, which has made it easier for you to articulate mm. what it is that you do. Yeah. So I thought let's unpack this because – I know that it can be a big challenge for artists to be able to articulate what their art's about and be able to talk about it in a way that that really expresses and gets to the nitty-gritty of what it means for them. But it's such a huge thing to figure out. Yeah. So do you want to talk a bit about that and how that has unfolded for you? Oh, I love to. Are you kidding me? It's my favourite thing to talk about. <laughs> yeah, so I think I said earlier um, that I feel like I've reached a beautiful place in my practice where my intuitive, you know, what my body wants to create has aligned really well with the brain stuff. Now, yes. you shared a quote. I think it was your own quote. Um, in the painting of the practice course, you've been oh. working on this beautiful little book, yeah? You know what uh, I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, that you've yes. been illustrating and sharing thoughts. Soul then. Food for the Healing Artist is what it's called, but I don't think I've actually ever shown anyone the no. front page, but <clears throat> there you have it. It has um, a name. And it was about how the best work that you create is when you're not in the brain space. Is that how you described it? It's kind of written in a really naive language. I said uh, some people make beautiful art that comes from thinking and others make it work that comes from feeling. I make work that comes from feeling. Beautiful. So that's me. 
And I feel like I'm in this magical little moment where my thinking and feeling have come together to create something I'm feeling so inspired and excited by. And I feel like the quality of work is really high. So I feel like I'm in a really magical zone at the moment. And I think that's come about from painting and developing my language, my artistic language, not just the skill set. So if we talk about the skills as being the words, I feel like I've spent the last few years figuring out what the words are and then figuring out how to put them together mm. to say something that's very powerful to me. Yes, but also to others as well because the context for this is also to do with when you have to articulate for, <sighs> say, if you're putting in an application for something, which you have been doing recently, mm. you have to be able to articulate these things. Yeah. And it's hard. It's hard to actually really get to the bottom of why you do what you do. Yeah. And also we should mention too that you've been making the most incredibly beautiful ceramic work that has really beautiful illustrations etched into the pots. Mm. Is it Mishimi, the technique? Mishima. 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 Yeah. It's a Japanese technique. It's actually Korean, Korean, but it was adopted by the Japanese about okay. like a thousand years ago. Yeah. Yes. Like it's extremely old technique. Yeah. So, there, so I can definitely see how your art practice has helped you to evolve this new direction in yeah. your ceramics. But the pieces you're making are very much art pieces. So yes. the context, I guess, for what we're talking about is that you're looking at ways where you can really elevate that work in an exhibition setting rather than becoming a ceramicist that's making mm -hmm. just day-to-day -day objects that are kind of low-priced. You actually want to make artworks out of the ceramics. And this feels very contrary to everything I've been saying for the last several years. Like I feel like I've very keenly rejected that, but I've reached a space this year where I feel that um, I've been very tied to selling my art to pay my bills, to make a living, to to feed my family, and I want. I think that that has reached a point where it doesn't lift me up in anymore in the way that it did. I think I need to separate my income from my art. A little bit because I'm feeling like I couldn't, I wasn't evolving because I was putting too much pressure on a sale on, on what others would think of the work. And now I'm allowing myself to let go of that and just make the art that I'm compelled to make. Beautiful. Suki, okay. Well, yes, she's out there and she's crying. I Aww, think one, this is my dog, baby. everyone. She's outside the door crying. Should we let her in? And yes. everyone can just handle her being in here. Yeah, and yeah. Her noises. <laughs> Go open the door. Poor little Suki, I feel sad for her. That's it, door's she's open. Good girl. Hello, hello, you beautiful creature. Yes. Children and pets are welcome on this podcast. Just <laughs> accept it, okay? <laughs> oh, don't bump my mic though, darling. Danny won't like that. So I can, I really have enjoyed the conversations I've had with you over the past couple of months about this whole thing because it's really been making me think a lot about the way that I present my work in terms of, you know, when you're, when you have an online presence, you've kind of got to gear it towards something, a goal. So we very much, you know, we talked about this a lot on the podcast. I've, I've had an environment where it's focused toward direct selling to my customers yeah. of my work. 
And I've been really hearing what you've been saying around this space and also observing the burnout that you went through in that commercial model and seeing how that's actually something that happened to you before really in your miniatures business, didn't it? Like yes, you really burned out in that kind of retail model. Reflect. It probably happens to me every couple of years. Like it's a cyclical mm. thing where I am fully invested in a creative process. But then as that reaches, like I'm obsessed with lifelong learning. Yeah. So mm. as I reach a point where I feel like I've developed enough mastery for me to be happy with, I start to get restless or I start to feel some negative emotions around that space and then need to take a bit of time to process that. But the joy of it is that something fresh and exciting and uh, some evolution mm. comes from that. So it doesn't feel great in the moment, but uh, upon reflection, those are actually the times that propel my art making forward. So it sounds like it's kind of perfect in a way. It's part of your process. Like it's part, it is your creative process to reach a point where you are dissatisfied with the parameters you've created for yourself and you seek to expand out of it, which to me is part of the job description of an artist, actually. Yeah, right. Yeah. 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 And I also have this inner rebel in me that <laughs> <laughs> that is, is not content to do the same. Yes. You know, that is always, I think you shared this, we talked about this in the kitchen again. Yes. This like drive for continual improvement. Yes. Or continual evolution. We're not happy to just leave things as they are. Even if they're working perfectly well, there's something in us. I think it's the artist in us, yes. isn't it, really? Because I think whether, you know, I've heard, I can't, I don't know which sociologist said this. I think there's actually more than one and it's an understood sort of broad theme, which is the role of artists in society is to push the boundaries of our, of our known perception of of our known paradigms of what is accepted as acceptable that's yeah. that's the role the, the greater role that we play in in society at large so yeah. it completely makes sense to me everything that you're saying there yeah totally so so i love that you've been asking yourself those really deep questions and you've been having loads of conversations with really interesting and you know quite accomplished people around that. Do you want to yeah. talk a bit about that? Because I do, I, I think do. You've, what you've described to me has been really interesting. Well, I think podcasting has really helped me develop that skill. Well, me too. Like yeah. it helps us to really, I mean, we, and we are both people, I think, that find out what we think through conversation, right? Absolutely. Uh, but I think it's also given me the bravery to identify the person that I think can help me solve whatever quandary is going on in my brain and then be brave enough to reach out and connect and have those conversations to not not feel the barrier and luckily all those you know we live in this wonderful world of artist women where we actually want to support each other yes. you know isn't that great and a town small enough that we know each other as well and we know yeah. some of those gatekeepers as well. That's right, yes. yes. So I had an amazing studio visit. I applied for an opportunity, expressed interest in an opportunity, and the people managing this event came to my studio for a studio visit to get a feel for my work and where I'm at. And let me tell you, it was the most, the most wonderful experience. Like I could have talked to them all day. I, I mean, I was probably really craving some in-person connection as well, which 
I get through this, isn't it wonderful? Mm -hmm. It's that extra layer of it's not just a remote conversation. It was people holding things that I created and talking about their experiences. Yes, and and we haven't had that experience for a couple of years, have we? I know. It was really wonderful. But there are also people that operate in quite a fine art space. Mm -hmm. Um, And one is a curator and another one is an artist, but also an organizer, let's Mm -hmm. just say, you know, someone that puts together events and pushes to make things happen. Mm -hmm. And it was a really excellent opportunity for me, knowing they were coming, knowing that I had to articulate where my work was at and where it was going. Mm, In in this, in a way that that world understands and respects, which is a different way to the way that we often talk about our art. Absolutely. And it's something that I've, you know, again, actively rejected. Mm. But actually allowed me to enter that space in a very safe environment and think about the languaging around what I'm doing and to spend a bit of time researching that and then articulating that to other artists who could echo that back to me so I could make sure that it felt like a good fit. Yes. You know, and it did. It felt exciting. It's like, oh, how wonderful. Like, now I understand what it is I'm trying to say with my work. Now Mm. I understand how all these pieces of my experience as a human have come together and are reflected in this work. And that felt really magical. It didn't feel like my other experiences of trying to enter that world where it felt like I encountered barriers and within myself as well as within mm-hmm. that industry. It felt very welcoming and inclusive. So I, I felt really oh, blessed, hashtag blessed, to be uh, able to have that experience. Yes, because I think, I mean, that's something I think both of us have had our own personal struggles with, isn't it, is how to straddle both those worlds. And I know that like when I've had conversations with you, I've actually really surprised myself with the vehemence that has Mm. come out of me in relation to that gatekeeping world of fine art. And then I've kind of sat back after those conversations and thought to myself, well, why is that? Like, why do you have that extreme response to that? It's quite visceral. Well, it is. And the last conversation I had with you on the phone about it, I, I kind of came off the call and was like, where did that come from? But it always comes from the same space, which is actually around old wounding and ideas that I've held for a very long time. And the reason I've enjoyed having these conversations with you so much is it's really made me reflect on that and go, well, is that relevant? Is that still relevant? Like, do Mm -hmm. I still need to be one or the other? Or is it possible for us to straddle both worlds? I hear you. Mm. I I absolutely feel the same. It's my own wounds and my stories that I've told myself from experiences when I was a very young woman. Like I'm not that human anymore and the world is not the same anymore. And we are not the same. Mm -mm. We are, you know, women in our 40s who have had a wealth of experience, life experience and also experience in our own creative practice Mm -hmm. I think we're coming into our own stuff. And let's be honest, (laughs) Suze, it's our generation that are now the gatekeepers. Yes. Isn't it? Like we think of the gatekeepers as being our parents' generation. I will probably Mm. always feel that way. But the reality is, is they're not anymore. Yes. The curators are now women like us, yeah? Yes, and not that different in age to us. Mm. It's so true. And... 
you know, I feel like also part of what has stopped me anyway from, you know, perhaps pursuing a presence more in the fine art world, I feel like because I'm largely self-taught as an artist, that the last kind of decade of my life has been an apprenticeship in a way. And I've been learning and, you know, just improving my skill and my understanding of what I make. And I feel like I kind of needed to be in that process and be in that free space of not trying to be in that world to do that in a way. Yeah. But now I'm wondering, well, am I reaching a stage where I would like to have a presence in that space? I guess the big question is, will it serve you? Exactly. Mm, Because I I feel like I'm in a place where it will serve me. Well, talk about that for a minute because there's specific reasons in relation to ceramics as to why, because the the way that you've uh, been thinking about this, you've you've been on one hand like you totally have been led by your heart in getting back into ceramics, but also you've had to think very carefully about how you can make that viable. So talk to us about that because it's a bit different selling ceramics to selling art online, right? Yeah, I guess so. And I also had that added layer of baggage where when I was studying ceramics, the narrative was – it's very tricky doing ceramics in the fine art world because it's considered a craft. And this is back in the late 90s, before the whole craft revolution. So that narrative still sits there within me. But ceramics having such a huge popularity surge, like it's it's become the thing of the pandemic for, you know, yes. for like women starting new creative outlets. But I think the joy of big shifts in your practice is that they give you opportunity to reflect once again on what you want your life to look like and build that from the ground up. Mm-hmm. So like you, um, you know, seeking, the, having these conversations with people, um, you know, I, I really want to continue to do that. I really want to talk to people that are in the world of mass producing their ceramic work um, and how they what like their lives look like on the day to day. Like I don't want to be a production potter mainly because my skills aren't up to scratch, but the idea of making a hundred identical things in a day makes me want to like just crawl into a hole and hide. Where you have to ship them. That would not work out. Oh, that sounds like (laughs) a nightmare. So reflecting on that has allowed me to define that I still want to be an artist. Yes. And with this medium, it's giving me new opportunities to enter the art world from a different angle. Just dropping in to let you know that I've just released a brand new mini e-course, Garden of Joy. This delightful little class will walk you through the basics of how I create my signature floral abstracts as we create a beautiful little painting together. This bite-sized class priced at just 39 US dollars is perfect for beginners and experienced artists that want to understand my process a little better. To celebrate release week, I'm offering 20% off this little gem of a course. So if you'd like to sample my signature techniques, be sure to pop on over to susannethercutestudio.com forward slash online dash classes or check out the show notes. Be sure to use the coupon code JOY, that's in uppercase, at the checkout. Offer ends 29th of April 2022.
Yes. So it's just another inroad. I it's don't, just another medium under the idea. umbrella of artists, right? That's right. Like, I mean, it's like watercolour versus acrylic. Like we don't, I mean, it's a very Western thing to think of them as two, yes. as, you know, the materials as defining the artist, but they don't really. Oh, but I don't even think that's true because there's so many artists, particularly throughout the 20th, 21st centuries that have worked in multiple mediums. Yeah. Like yeah. multiple, multiple different mediums. Yeah. I think Picasso had a huge, yeah, yes. Picasso had a huge body of ceramic and work. And I've just like, read a book by David Hockney. Oh, I love he, David. He's from my town. I've just read mm. a really great book of his. I reviewed it on a podcast episode that yeah. came out. I think it was the last one. Um, and he's a master of so many different mediums and has expanded into lots of digital mediums. So it's actually to me, quite normal for you to be doing this. And the other reason I love this for you is because of, well, for want of a better word, for because of your contrariness, like <laughs> you're, you're, you, when you've had enough of something, you just ha- can't do it anymore. So for you to have uh, other mediums that you can turn to for your creative outlet and just, and have them already carved out a little bit as a pathway that you can journey into when you're in that zone is so valuable, like, mm. because really isn't that what we all want to be, if we want to be doing what we want to be doing, which we, we all do, I'm the same as well. Yeah. Then, and that's kind of what I've been setting up for myself over the past few years. I love all of the things I do and I check in regularly about if I want to do them. Do I want to be making up? Well, 100% for sure, because that's my favourite, favourite thing. Do I want to make a podcast? Yes, because I get to have like the most engaging conversations with you and other people and mm. and as we've just discussed in that process get to figure out what I who I am as an artist and why I do what I do. And e-courses, I want to make them because I want to share my unique perspective that I uncover on my own journey. They're all valuable things and I love skipping from one to the other. Yeah. So the ceramics picture fits so perfectly with that. Well, I feel like the idea comes first and then the medium comes second, you know. Absolutely. So it's like, what do I want to say? And I'll pick the tools to do that. Um, And you're such a multi-skilled person too. I mean, you're very, you can figure out how to do anything. You're a Jill of all trades. Like you're amazing. So, and you're an amazing potter. And that's not like something that is you are actually a master of that medium from what I'm observing. Like you had your degree in it, but the work that I've been seeing coming up on Instagram is just gorgeous. Thank you. I really Mm. appreciate you saying that because it's very easy to compare yourself in any situation. And of course, when you're striving uh, forward with your work, you are looking to people who are beyond you to learn their skills for constant improvement. And it can get, it can be easy to see what you can't do rather than what you can do. But yeah, back to the piece of entering the fine art world, which I think is where we we, uh, started this tangent is want the validation. I'll be very honest. There's a piece of me that wants that recognition. But the process last year of applying for all the grants that I didn't get allowed me to identify what I perceive as holes in my practice that I want to like the bigger picture of who I am as an artist, not who I am as a business person. It allowed me to see those things and see where the gaps that I wanted to fill. Mm. 
And for me this year, I've set those goals that are outside of my business around my personal practice. And that in that those goals involve putting my work out there in a very different sphere. And that sphere happens to be the fine art world. So as I'm creating, this is in my mind and it's really pushing me with my technical skills as well as my ideology around my art. But it's allowing me to develop those things like better languaging around my art and seeking the people, like outsourcing the people who can help me develop that where my own skills are lacking, you know, because I'm not, I'm not a writer. I'm an artist. I'm a visual artist. Well, so you're very articulate. So yeah, I would but say it, that you can write very well. Yes, but not the way that that sphere writes. Does that make sense? Yes, you know, it makes sense. It's the difference between youth fiction and a thesis. Yeah, you know, like this. Uh, I don't know there about that. I think you. Differences. I think you articulate yourself better in that space than you think you do. Okay, that's really nice to hear. So, yeah, I think I just need to keep refining that. It's all about refining, isn't it? It is. And all about, I think what we're talking about here is how deeply you understand your process of why you do what you do and understanding how that fits your journey as a person. And, you know, it's it's really coming to a deep understanding of who you are as an artist. And painting has allowed me to do that. Like the body of work I've made over the past couple of years have helped me identify that what I'm really exploring in my art is not just my passion for color and excitement of form. It's beyond that. It's about who I am as a human and how I fit within this very particular physical and societal landscape of Ballarat what it means to be a migrant, what it means to be an English woman in this scarred landscape, what it means to be married into a family that has a history within this landscape. And all of these things I wouldn't have discovered if I hadn't have spent two years painting joyful looking flowers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just now that feels really resonant to what I want to explore next. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that in a couple more years that will have evolved again mm-hmm. and changed or refined as I change and refine. But this particular environment at this particular time and me as this particular human, there are things I want to explore and express there. And they lead very nicely into an opportunity to investigate the fine art world. Yes, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And in in pursuing the fine art world, that allows you the space to create incredibly beautiful and intricate work rather than be in that production mentality. Yeah. And I understand how with ceramics particularly you need to be very mindful of which direction because they're two very different directions, aren't they? They really are Mm. and they lead to two very different looking lives. Mm. And there's also this uh, danger of really undervaluing your work Mm. as a ceramicist because, you know, as soon as something has a function, for some reason our Western society devalues that. Other societies don't. The Japanese society doesn't, for example. But as soon as something is fit for purpose, (laughs) we deem it as a, you know, a very different object. Mm. Uh, And I think that for me to, to 
uh, lead the life that looks like the way I want it to look on a day-to-day basis, I need to have a continued focus on the elevation of how I put my work out into the world so that it is perceived as art and not perceived as homeware, which is yes. very different from the world of painting, well, incidentally. It's yeah. interesting you say that because you were, you actually were retailing within homeware stores with your art. Yes. So let's talk about that for a minute because – you know, that's kind of a full circle you've done Isn't there, right? It? Where that yeah. felt like a very appealing business model for your art business because it gave you exposure to, you know, people that were interested in your work and in a retail environment with beautiful interiors. And it worked quite well for a time there until good old lockdowns happened and that model kind of fell apart despite your best efforts. But is there also aspects to operating in that way that you have found a bit soul-destroying? No, not really. No. No. It's interesting, isn't it? I found it it got a bit difficult, but yes. that was about the specific things going on in yeah, the world yeah. at the time. But had that not happened, maybe that wouldn't be the window of opportunity to develop my art. Yes. You know? But I am very particular this year, okay, like to take the pressure off. I've said this already, but I'm gonna reiterate it is take the pressure off earning from my Mm. art for a year. And I feel like I've reached a place where I can sort of maintain what I've achieved. I don't, I don't feel frightened that everything's just going to disappear if I get off that hamster wheel. Mm. I'm like, okay, I've done that and I know how to do that and I can do that again should I wish. But right now, let's take that pause and propel myself towards growth in another area and to establish yourself as a fine artist yeah which let's be honest we already are just because you're selling work in a homeware setting that's when you're not but yes what we're talking about is establishing yourself more firmly in the fine art sphere and figuring out whether the barriers I feel in that space are just based on the narrative that I have told myself rather than reality. Yes. I'm really excited to find out the truth in this space. I am too, actually. And I love that we keep returning to it time and time again in conversation because it's making me reconsider all of those questions within myself as well. Yeah. Yeah. That visceral response, is that based on real life is that based on the actual situation or is that a fear-based response because of whatever you know historical yeah historical and those worlds don't change unless people change them well that's right and it's our generation of female curators that are making those changes and pushing those barriers and leading the way and I'm here for it you know Yes. Count me in. Awesome. I love it. Hey, I don't want we us to miss out on the opportunity to mention something that you are doing as a way to, you know, really forward, move forward in this direction as a fine artist. You actually have a fundraising campaign, a crowdfunding campaign happening at the moment because you're trying to have a kiln instil- installed in your home and you found out that you can't do it because you have yes. to hook up all this expensive electrical stuff Ugh. that costs many thousands of dollars. Yeah. So 
Do you want to tell everyone about your crowdfunding campaign and where they can find you so they can yes. come and get a beautiful something to do with ceramics, a piece or a class or yeah. and help you achieve your goals? Thanks, Suze. Yeah, actually, I really do. Yeah, so I have a crowdfunding campaign that's still running. There are a few weeks left on it. I'm about halfway to my goal, which is super Great. duper exciting. So thank you to everybody who's already participated. Um, so basically, I need to get a kiln installed at home to move my work forward. I have some barriers, financial, boring things around that doing that. Um, but I would love it if anybody is out there cheering me on, if they check my campaign out, because I don't expect money for nothing. There are some really awesome rewards in there, be it yeah, getting a handmade ceramic item from me or spending time with me on Zoom. I don't know who would want to do that, but just in case, there are lots of different layers of things that I will give you in return. So um, if you go to my Instagram, Steph Wallace Art, check out my links. You can click straight over to my crowdfunding campaign on Indiegogo called Help Me Fire It Up. And you can donate there, super easy. And thank you. we'll link to it in the show notes as well guys so if you want to pop over there you can also find it there hey thanks for the chat i love Mm. i love we keep going deeper and wider i feel like in the podcast and this has been a beautiful conversation yeah thanks thanks, and everyone go and give steph a little financial help toward her goal please Please. (laughs) (laughs) all right everyone have a great week we'll catch you next time bye bye You can always see more of my art over at susanethercote.com and if you're interested in learning from me or checking out the podcast notes, you can find those over on susannethercotestudio.com. I love hearing your comments and feedback, so feel free to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you like what you're hearing, then why not snap a screenshot and share it in your Instagram stories? Be sure to tag me at susan.nethercote so I can say hi. And if you've got a great idea for a future podcast episode or know someone who you think I should interview, then pop on over to susannethercutstudio.com forward slash podcast, hit the button in the header image to shoot me an email. Catch you next time.